When I was a kid, I remember a time my dad was telling me a story about a time when he was not doing well in school. He was a student in a small Christian college at the time in western Pennsylvania, and he had really blown it one semester with his grades. So, of course, he knew that his mother was going to pay him a visit. For see, his mother was the one who had pressed into him the importance of working hard and doing your best. It was his mother who had driven into him the, the, the need for academic excellence and, and for high standards. It was his mother whose top would have popped off when she learned how badly he had wasted their hard-earned money with such poor grades. So it was no surprise when my dad saw his parents' car pull up outside of his dorm. What was a surprise, however, was who got out of the car. It was his father. Now, my grandfather was a very quiet man who didn't make much of a fuss about anything. And yet there he was, having driven an hour and a half to come speak to my dad about his grades. What surprised my dad yet again was that my grandfather really wasn't all that upset about the wasted money. For he said, money is our most renewable resource, and there will always be more. Now, what really bothered my grandfather is that dad had wasted so much time. For he said, time is a limited resource that we only get so much of. It is a gift that cannot be recovered once it is lost. Well, time certainly is a precious commodity. And despite all of our time-saving gadgets and equipment these days, we never seem to have enough of it, and that leaves us feeling anxious and frantic as we run around trying to get everything done. I know I feel like I never have enough time. This is why multitasking has become so popular as we try to squeeze as much as we can out of every minute of every day something unfortunately I'm not very good at. But you know, time is a funny thing because our experience of it can vary dramatically depending on the situation. You know, if you're a kid in school waiting for summer vacation to arrive, time seems to move so slowly. Or if you're waiting for test results to come back from a, a scan, or, or if you're facing another long night alone in an empty house, time sometimes seems to move almost backwards. It feels so slow. And on the other hand, if you're having a great time hanging out with dear friends, if you're getting away for a few days at the beach, or if your team is losing in the NCAA tournament, time seems to fly right by. And before you know it, you're out of time. Well, Jesus certainly understood what this was like. By this point, he had been engaged in ministry for about three years, although I'm sure it must have felt more like three months with as little as his disciples seemed to understand. But Passover was quickly approaching. And that meant that Jesus was running out of time. Now, Jesus had just been in Jerusalem, upsetting the religious leaders with his teaching, making the blasphemous claim that he and the Father 
are one. And after barely avoiding being stoned to death and escaping being arrested, Jesus and his disciples fled down east across the Jordan River to lay low for a little while. But one day while they were there, a messenger arrived, letting them know that Jesus' dear friend Lazarus was very sick. Now Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha, who lived in the town of Bethany just outside Jerusalem. And surely they thought that Jesus would hop on the next express train to Bethany when he heard so that he could come heal their brother whom Jesus dearly loved. I mean, after all, he was healing just about everyone else under the sun. Come quickly, Jesus, the message said. We're running out of time. But according to our text, when Jesus heard this news, he remained in the place where he was for two more days before making his move. And when they did finally arrive in Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for several days and buried in a tomb. I can imagine what the waiting must have been like for Mary and Martha as they stared helplessly at the clock as their brother slipped away, wondering where Jesus could be. But you know what that's like, don't you? I mean, sometimes things go wrong in life and we need some help. And so we pray for Jesus to intervene at work because things are falling apart or in our marriage before it's too far gone or with our child before she ruins her life or, or with our loved one who needs healing quickly if he's going to survive. And we plead with Jesus to, to hurry up and save us while there's still time. But then your marriage falls apart. Your dream is shattered. Your child makes a huge mistake. Your loved one doesn't make it. Sometimes Jesus doesn't show up in time, and you have to lay your Lazarus in a tomb. And like Martha, you want to shout, If only you had been here, Jesus! Where were you? Didn't you get the message? Don't you care about us? We were counting on you, Jesus, but you're too late. We ran out of time. You know, one of the hardest things about being a follower of Jesus is that he does not usually act according to our timetables or our preferences or our sensibilities or our carefully created plans. And that drives us crazy. And after all, time is in limited supply and there are things we need Jesus to do for us. There are problems we need fixed and people we need saved. And we expect Jesus to be just as frantic and anxious about all of our troubles as we are. And yet, Jesus never seems to be in a hurry. Even when our lives are feeling completely out of control and in a deep crisis. For you see, Jesus is not some superhero who shows up in the nick of time to save the day. 
He came to save us, but he refuses to do so by, by encouraging us to, to cling to any Lazarus in our lives, no matter how wonderful. Now, as long as we think we can't live without Lazarus, he'll wait us out. As Craig Barnes writes, don't expect Jesus to save us, but by teaching us to depend on the things we are afraid of losing. He loves us too much to let our health, marriage, or work become the Savior in our lives. He will run away from any project that seeks to find salvation from anything or anyone other than God. So he delays. He watches as we race down dead-end streets. He lets our mission du jour crash and burn. You see, Jesus knows that until we're able to stop clinging to our dreams and our plans for our lives and those we love, we will never get caught up in Jesus' dreams. And only his dreams can save us. So he waits another two days or two years or two decades, however long it takes. And when we finally lay our Lazarus in the tomb, Jesus comes to us and lets us know that life is not over as we had feared. Rather, apart from him, we were never going to find it in the first place. Because true life, abundant life, the life we were created for can only be found in Him. And only in the hands of the Savior can our lives and all that we love be held securely for eternity. And so Jesus assures us, just as He assured Martha, your Lazarus will rise again. And Martha says, yeah, I, I, I know Jesus. He'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, oh, Martha, don't you get it? Do you still not understand? I am the resurrection. It's me. I am the life, life that death and time have no power over. And whoever believes in me, even though they die, will have this life. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, do you? It's not the easiest thing to believe in our broken and cynical world where at the end of every hallway stands the smug, leering face of death, wagging a ticking clock saying, time belongs to me and you cannot escape me. Eventually, I'm gonna get you. Your life is running out of time. And of course, that drives all of us crazy, filling us with fear and anxiety as we struggle in vain to secure and preserve our lives and our legacies. But in reality, that, that's just building our own tombs. And Jesus refuses to participate in this anxious, fear-driven, tomb-building despair. 
Instead, he comes to us in whatever tomb we're hiding. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and I created time. So Lazarus, come out. You've been hiding in your tomb long enough. It is time to get back to living once again. And when Lazarus, Lazarus heard Jesus' voice, he immediately got up and walked right out of his tomb. But let's at least be honest for a minute. I mean, Jesus may have brought Lazarus back to life, but I mean, eventually, he's just going to die again, right? And so what was the point? And why bother bringing him back at all? I mean, just to delay the inevitable? And for that matter, why bother knocking ourselves out to, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and house the homeless? I mean, we're never going to get rid of those problems. Jesus made that clear. And everyone that we help, they're all running out of time, just like Lazarus. So why bother? Why not just eat and drink for tomorrow we die? Because every time we show compassion and kindness and mercy to someone made in the image of God, we are doing so to our Lord himself. And when we do these things in Jesus' name, we are confronting the cynical, unbelieving world with the in-breaking kingdom of the one who is Lord of time. And that brings glory to the God who refuses to let death and despair have the final word. And I once heard a story told by former homiletics professor Tom Long about a doctor in New York City named Joyce Wilkins. She could have had a lucrative uptown practice, but instead her clinic was out of the back of a Ford Econoline van cruising through midtown Manhattan looking for prostitutes. She would strike up a relationship with them and gain their trust, and then she would give them blood tests and some medical care and a word of encouragement and hope. The reporter interviewing her said, even though you give them medical care, I mean, most of your patients are still going to die from AIDS or drug overdoses. That must be very discouraging. In other words, they're running out of time, so why bother? Joyce said, well, that's one way of looking at it. But my mother taught me to look at it a different way. You see, my mother was a teacher of brain-damaged and special needs children the kind the world looks at as good as dead and not worth our time. But she taught me that when you look at someone, don't look at the damage, look at the image. Don't just look at the damage that time and disease and circumstance have done to people. Look at the image of God within them that is preserved by eternity. Something not even death itself can erase. She said, I learned this best one night when my mother had her class perform songs from the musical My Fair Lady for Parents' Night at school. She said, it never occurred to my mother that the parents would all dissolve into tears 
because it never occurred to my mother not to let a little brain-damaged girl in a wheelchair roll across the stage singing, I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. Well, you can be sure all the hosts of heaven were dancing that night to the glory of God. For because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, it is not hope and compassion and love that are running out of time, but cynicism and despair and injustice and hatred. And today is Palm Sunday. And Jesus rides this day into Jerusalem to the cheering crowds knowing that he is almost out of time. For early on Friday morning, he'll be arrested and tried and beaten half to death. Then he'll be nailed to a cross and buried in a tomb just like Lazarus. And death will celebrate and rejoice thinking that it has claimed the author of life, bragging I am the Lord of time, Jesus, and even you must bow down before me, and you are out of time. And Jesus will remain in that place for two more days before making his move. And move he will. For though the wrong in this world seems oft so strong, he is the ruler yet. And Jesus refuses to let us remain in tombs of despair and fear and hopelessness. For he came that we might be fully alive and dance not just all night, but for all eternity to the glory of Almighty God. So as you go through this Holy Week, Though things may appear to be dark in your life and in our world, though time may appear to be running short, be very sure it is not life that is running out of time. It is death that is running out of time. Because Easter is coming. Amen.